0: The Askell Leadership Podcast. Hello, my name is Rob Robson. Welcome to the Trust Askell Podcast. For this edition, I'm delighted to be joined by Rebecca Meredith CBE. Rebecca is the CEO of the Transform Trust, which runs 19 schools in and around the East Midlands area. It was established in 2013. Rebecca prides herself on leading an innovative multi-academy trust which empowers their member schools to drive their improvement journey whilst maintaining their own individual identity and community focus. Rebecca describes Transform as an enabling organisation which supports and mentors their leaders and she's created a trust that utilises the collective skills and knowledge of independent minded headteachers and practitioners. and That in turn enables schools to achieve high educational standards. Before this, Rebecca was head of a primary school which she took from Special Measures to Outstanding. She was then appointed Executive Head of two other primaries in Nottingham before moving into the CEO role. Rebecca describes herself as being driven by improving education for all children and, as well as improving teaching and learning, she loves to think about and implement ways to grow the whole child through a range of extracurricular activities. Welcome Rebecca, we're delighted to have you. Please start by telling us a little about yourself.
1: Fascinating journey, really. And sometimes I say my career has been being in the right place at the wrong time or conversely in the wrong place at the right time. You you kind of work out which side it was. I went to Worcester College of Higher Education, first person in the family to do kind of higher ed um, and no other teachers, but was very interested in sport. Um, Was never really good enough to do anything at any particular level, but just enjoyed sport and was a a lifeguard and the um, children's sporting activities at holidays. So it was a direction of travel. I did a primary sport, which was quite unusual and loved every minute. Um, whilst I was at Worcester, I chose to do all my teaching practices in inner city Birmingham. Um, because that was my kind of real desire to work within cities. So that made me quite unusual at college. I then started working in inner city Nottingham, and NQT. After uh, a year, took on a responsibility point, as they were then, um, and enjoyed that. Um, After a couple of years, was asked to be acting deputy, which was massive for someone so young in, uh, in her career, and took the opportunity. Difficult school, different life enjoyed every minute. From there, kind of part of the journey, I need to acknowledge that I had two children and did my kind of six months off and back into work full-time. I went as deputy to another inner city school in Nottingham and again was, and this is where I say either unlucky or lucky, did periods of acting head. So I started at this particular school at Easter. By the December, the head went on mat leave and um, we had an Ofsted, which put the school into measures. Local authority was aware and the head didn't return. So um, I'd done a term as deputy and then was acting head. So again, this is where I'm saying my career journey has been a little bit strange. Fortunately enough to work some experienced leaders after that who really helped galvanize my ideas. and thinking I went as head, substantive head to a special measure school, Snenton, in, right in the center of Nottingham. And from there, really, the journey stepped up slightly. We did the Ofsted's, the periods of every three years, whatever. So we went from measures to requires improvement to good. And along the way, applied to become a national leader and national support school. Um, and at the time, it's when they just changed the, the distinction between you didn't have to be an outstanding, but you had to have an interview. So Peter Matthews came out and interviewed um, our staff and myself. And I remember he asked our staff if Rebecca was going for a job, what reference would you write? And that was a massive leadership experience for me because so I was like, oh, OK, I'm not quite sure what they'd write. I became a national leader, a national support school, um, and did some support work in other schools. We then went on and um, went into uh, an Ofsted and became outstanding, which people asked, what was the recipe? What did we do? We'd evaluated really as good to a lot of things and and were blown away by the the two HMI's distinction about our school and the difference we were making. Um, And I think one of the things on my journey is I love my job and I love what I'm doing and the difference I can make and I don't mean that in any kind of flippant way and I just assume that everyone in education feels the same and we should all be doing the same so I tend to think that um, we should all be aspiring to this so we were asked by the diocese and local authority to apply to become a teaching school Um, and this was in cohort two I wrote the application and didn't really think um, a lot would happen because we were a primary school at a, a time when there was a larger secondary who'd become a teaching school in um, cohort one um, and was very surprised when the letter arrived And I remember going down the corridor going oh my god what have I done now so the teaching school was born and that's where Transform started and I was very deliberate when I started the, the teaching school that it wouldn't be named after Snenton so I didn't want Snenton to be the lead school and it to be all about them uh, so we worked really closely with the diocese and that's where Transform the name came from part of their mission statement and we were quite happy at that point. We'd got the teaching school. We then became a standalone academy for lots of reasons, but we wanted to be masters of our own destiny and take it from there. A couple of other schools said, well, if we if we ever need to become an academy, can we join you? And I was like, yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah, more the merrier. And at that time, because Snenton was an aided school, it, there were a few legalities. So for a while, we were on a system of Snenton was an aided standalone academy and we had Transform, which was a multi-academy trust. When they changed the legalities about aided and maintained, uh, we we all came together. And that's kind of how I then probably should have said about the same time I was an executive head over three primary schools in Nottingham City. So uh, you can imagine the boot of my car. I'm a bit of a, a systems person and I need to know kind of what I'm doing. And I like to think I'm fairly organized. So I had a different colored bag for each school so depending on what day of the week it was I knew which coloured bag to put in the boot of the car and get out. I then was the teaching school chief exec and the mat lead so I did three days as exec lead and two for transform and it got to a point where I thought you know I'm not actually doing anything very well and that was a big leap for me where I sat down had a bit of a word with myself and said I need to take the leap into the chief exec role which was huge because it made decision of having to step away and being less operational with children um, and that hands-on which really is why I joined the job so to where I am now very long journey really
0: a fascinating journey all sorts of different things happened in there as well so yeah really interesting I'm I'm interested in the very last well I'm interested in lots of it but I'm particularly interested in that last part where you said that you needed to make the leap from being an executive head teacher into CEO so can you just tell me what the difference is?
1: Yeah, well, the difference is, at that point, in some ways, we were creating the roadmap. So there wasn't a job description. So I couldn't go to a person spec or a job description and say, well, well that's, that's the difference. I suppose the difference was, how do I take the step from, on, in, in simple terms, doing collective worship in a school, to being responsible for all the standards across. So, you know, I use it flippantly, but if something in one of the the schools that was in the the multi-academy trust went wrong, the RSC would be phoning me about that particular school. So how could I give my time to knowing what was happening and and the responsibility for that, as opposed to responsibility for named individual children in my base substantive school as the head teacher and a responsibility from trying to be strategic and have a vision for a primary school to having a strategic vision for a group of schools um, and and that kind of family. How how did I do that? And it was a real shift. I can give you some quite specifics. I'm fortunate enough to have, at that point, had a brilliant um, head of school. And one of the big steps for me was, I used to always be out at the front of school in the morning and at the end of the day, meeting parents and children. And as I was taking more of a system leadership kind of role, I was in school less. So I remember having a conversation with her about the parents walking past her to talk to me on the days that I was in the building. And that was wrong because she was there more than I was and how we deliberately had to move my office to the back of the school to do that. Um, and equally with safeguarding that was a real passion for me but if I wasn't there and couldn't do that intimate knowledge of every single child how could I have such a huge responsibility so passing safeguarding so it was quite a a leap for me having to lose that identity as the the lead learner in one school to becoming the lead learner and a responsibility for for all of them it was more that matriarchal kind of step which was massive
0: do you miss being ahead
1: yeah Yeah. So one of the things that I did pre-COVID was um, I I spend, they always go, oh, no, what's going to happen over the summer holidays? Because the summer holidays for me are a time of reflection, glass of red wine and some sunshine and um, come back with all these kind of ideas. And uh, one of the things that I came back with was if I miss being ahead and I miss the children particularly, that's my bad. I've got to do something about it. So there's the school I was substantive head on. I went back and heard children read. I kind of said, if I go to any of the other schools, I think, oh, it's the CEO coming to check up on us, which wasn't what I was doing. So and it was brilliant going back, just back into the school that I'd worked at and spent a lot of emotional kind of legacy, if you like, just going back and hearing children and chatting to them. It's, yeah, so it's definitely something I miss. But.
0: Okay, um, you talked about being part of the system now and the fact that you've got a, a reasonably big trust. I mean, you've got 18 schools now. Which which I think does make you one of the bigger trusts, but you're also part of a system of trusts. What's your view on that system at the moment?
1: My view is that it probably a, a, a fairly flippant one. The system needs to help itself. I think we spend a lot of time bemoaning what we've got in education and kind of forget that we're here for the children and that we should be working together as a system. I think we have in the past worried about competition and what the school down the road's doing and what the local authority doing and what the DfE should be doing. For me it should be more about people stepping up and recognising that in this time at the moment particularly we're very well paid people, with fantastic holidays and guaranteed jobs when people are being furloughed and zero-hour contracts. So for me, it's about being completely aware of what we've got, being, being able to give back to the system. I think it's about putting your head above the parapet and all schools are on a journey and at some point we all need a little bit of help, a bit of a leg up, we might need someone to come and give a bit of support or challenge and it's being aware and open and helping with that system. As far as academies versus maintainer, I'm assuming you're meaning that kind of part in the system as well. I know there was the journey to every school is going to become an academy by 20, whenever. And then that kind of all went. My experience is a school knows when it's ready to become an academy. And in order to envelop and take all the advantages that an academy brings, the school, the community, the governors have got to be ready to to, to join that family. And it's a big leap. It's... um, it's joining an extended family. I've seen definite benefits during the the COVIDness of of how we have been able to respond as our micro system, how we've been able to support each other, how we've been able to work together, um, how in some ways we've saved some work because um, like you say, 18, 19 schools, we can share the burden um, and we've certainly done that. How we've had each other's back and how we've been able to kind of, when something's happened, we've been able to say to people, it's all right, we're here, we can we can help. I think if you're a school on your own, it must have been a difficult time. But again, I don't think that's an avaricious desire that every school should become an academy. Like I say, I think schools will come to it when they're ready.
0: So how would I know if I was a school leader, how would I know that the time is right to, to join Transform?
1: <laughs> um, so one of the things that we say to, to, to schools is Joining Transform is about having a value set, it's about joining an extended family. Uh, so we, we, we talk about, uh, it's, it's a long-term relationship, so it's a bit like a marriage. Once you've joined Transform, it's a marriage for life, there's, there's kind of no going back. So both partners need to know that uh, they're ready for it. So we, we have a bit of a pre a bit of an engagement. So we have our teaching school, and we encourage any school that wants is, is considering becoming an academy, joining that teaching school and work alongside us see what we've got to offer i know there's, there's been talk about kind of associate joining if people want to we invite them to our heads meetings they come to our cpd there's that definite kind of can you work with us can we work with you can our values sit together Um, because we're a very value, very value-led trust so that works um well i think Schools come to us at different points. Some schools come because they've reached a point where they need uh, some challenge and some kind of how are we going to take our school from where we are now to the next, next kind of level. We want um, people to come in more regularly and kind of have an eye on what we're doing. We have other people that come and say we want to be part of something bigger and we feel quite isolated. We feel quite lonely. And there's kind of a power of we have professional learning communities where, let's just say, all our EYFS leads come together, or our Year Six come and they moderate their writing. And um, some schools, are, you know, more slightly more on their own, have missed that kind of opportunity to work alongside. And others just want to be part of what is the fun that is known as Transform. Um, and you know, the kind of we like to think we do things slightly differently and people have valued that i think we also work along a, a lines of earned autonomy so when a school joins transform we have obviously we've got a kind of transform logo but a, a school will join us and they'll maintain their own school name so we don't have transform academy in the titles they maintain their own logos because we think it's really important for local identity and that kind of community identity not to be le- lost So we do have schools that join us because they want to maintain that, but want to be part of something bigger.
0: So if I walked into a transformed school, um, I might find the logo somewhere, but how else would I know that I'm in a transformed school?
1: So one of the things I do as chief exec is, is talk to children and I ask them how they know. And that's not a i don't want a corporate response over we're in transform trust and the chief xx called it's about how they um, know about the opportunities so we do sporting things together with next week i think it is we've got a performing arts festival um, and we're looking at it slightly differently so we're doing a virtual one we've done um children's celebration and it's really important that the children feel part of a bigger family You'll find some schools that have got our uh, logos of butterflies, so you'll see butterflies and, um, you know, I've got butterflies around my computer that children have made me. On Twitter, you'll see an increasing number of parents respond to, to kind of trust uh, tweets and are, are really wanting to, to share what's going on. But importantly for me, one of the things we're talking about at the moment is we have our shared transform values each school maintains their own values but we have transformed ones and it's how we live out those values as a trust in school um, so it's constantly kind of just revisiting with children where they sit and equally i chat to staff about how they feel uh you wouldn't see this in a school but we run a staff survey annually and have done for five years and part of that is tell us what you think about transform how can we make transform better what's what's your kind of feel about so we're constantly seeking feedback um from schools about how what how we're doing really and do we live that out and then one of the other things we do is a whole trust inset so we haven't done one this year because of what's going off but our last one was at the derby city Delby County even football ground and every staff member was invited and that was a phenomenal day and that's a, a feeling of family again.
0: And do you do some things for children that cross right the way across the trust? I'm sorry, that's a dove question. Let me rephrase that. You, you clearly do do things across the trust <laughs> because you mentioned the performing arts. Yeah. Um, but do you do other things that add value to the schools that the trust can bring for yeah. the children?
1: Yeah, we have a transform parliament. So it's akin to a school council, two children from every school come together. And when I say Parliament, it's very formal. and um, They have minutes, they have their own uh, chairperson that they vote in together. They've done projects, so we've got a piece of artwork, that was our first activity, and we asked the children what they thought they could do to represent the Transformed family and work together. And they came up with a brilliant idea of they wanted to do a piece of artwork. So they selected a piece of art. We then It was an administrative nightmare, but we cut it up into pieces. They all had their own little section, which they replicated in school, and then it was put together to create the picture again, and we had it framed properly, and we took it to the parliament. And I actually still have the video and play it when I'm kind of thinking it's, it's been a bad week. The reveal, the children were in absolute awe and were so blown away by the fact that they had come together in all their little separate schools that created this one piece. So we've done that. We also have a children's celebration. So I've talked about the values. The children in school nominate each other against the transform values. Their school council then pick the winners um, and then it comes into transform. Sometimes we have uh, communities that are quite hard to reach, but we had 300 parents at the last one all dressed and booted it was a highlight of the year really the, the the children's awards are the kind of thing that you you sit at there and you think I'm so proud because this is this is why I, I started the job so your question about not being a head teacher I can take myself back to those moments and think "Yeah, I'm still adding
0: value fantastic and, and as I understand it you do a scheme as well it's a little bit like the is it the national trust scheme
1: um oh sorry yes we um, it's at TED transform enrichment diploma okay. so we one of the things we do at transform is we have these bright ideas and then we set up working groups from within the trust so um it doesn't have to be a teacher it can be somebody that has an interest in so we had a working group and we looked at the national trust i think it's 100 things to do before you are 11 and we localized it and looked at our context um, so we have Things about riding a bike, having a campfire, having art that you've created that's presented to your community. It goes all the way up to year six about having a, a, an idea about the environment and presenting it to somebody. They go across all the schools and then we look at whether the children have achieved it. And what we've talked about as a curriculum is that I want to be confident that when children have left Transform schools, That regardless whether they're in a measure school or an outstanding one they've all had a curriculum entitlement that's an enrichment so that I can be confident that these children will go on to to secondary having a wealth of otherness of additionality other than just a kind of core curriculum and that's been brilliant what we're doing at the moment obviously because we can't do campfires and different things is we're we're looking at it from a, a kind of Covid. what can we do safely? Because what we don't want is a COVID excuse of a generation of children that have missed out. So again, we're looking at that and um, thinking how we can take this digitally and um, how we can take it to the next next kind of level. So again, it's another transform thing. There's no, no stopping. There's always the next thing and the, the next thing and how can we make it? But organically it grows because it's come from those people on the shop floor. Uh, one of the things that I'm very conscious of is as a chief exec I'm quite removed now from what happens in a school so I need that kind of grounding and people around me to keep grounding me back and say, this is what it's like to be in a school on a day-to-day basis this is this is what we're seeing this is what we're hearing and this is what we're feeling
0: so I have the the prenup to decide whether I uh, <laughs> I want to join in with this yeah. once I'm in then I'm I'm fully in with all the fun by the sound of it mm-hmm. um You talked during that as well about the importance of community and I noticed when I was reading up about your trust that community is particularly important. Um, So why is community such an important thing when you've got, because clearly you've got very diverse communities as well across the trust. So tell us a little bit about community.
1: If I take it back, so when I speak to I do a kind of state of the nation talk in September to the to the leaders and the central team at Transform. And I talk about my why, why I'm in this, what's the year gonna look like, but keep bringing it to the, why do we do the job? Why do I do the job? And that always comes back to the children of my why. The children for me are in a diverse world. And, you know, I can look at the research. One of the things we looked at the inset Day was we've got children in our primary system who will have jobs in however many years time that don't even exist at the moment. So how can we be preparing them for that when we don't know kind of what's coming? And I, I feel it's our obligation to be looking wider than just our child. Equally, they're living in communities that because of technology are much Much wider now than they were. You know, the example I give is uh, when I used to go on holiday, it was a a trip to the show my age now, but used to go to the travel agents and spend hours poring over books. Whereas now it's a quick look on your phone and it's booked. And, you know, how do I um, keep bringing that back to to children? And the world's at their fingertips. So I I want children to know what's out there and connect with what's out there. So for me, the first step is you connect with your local community. So our schools should be connecting with their local shops, their local church, their libraries, you know, what's on their doorstep. But then how do we use our curriculum to take that further and extend it, you know, wider than you know, to Nottingham, to Derby, to England, wider, wider, wider. But each of our schools is a little microcosm of context. And I think it's really important we don't lose that. But our children have that connectivity. So I'll give an example of we've got three. Church of England um, diocesan schools within our trust. We've also got Zaytuna, which has had a you know it's, it's had a history. If you Google it, it was the old Al medina um, which started off as an Islamic free school. How do we get our children to connect and learn from each other and use their communities to the best? You know, there's such a wealth beyond what I can offer as a teacher, a head teacher chief exec. And Recently, the the brilliant head at Zaytuna hosted a virtual harvest festival between their school and our Church of England schools, and we talked about faith and what it meant and the cornerstones. So I just think it's it's a live microcosm of experience that. Um, so. You, we want to to value that and respect it and that's part of that our community journey. I also think sometimes we become silos so our primary schools become we know best we know what's you know your child but how do we connect with the parents who you know way more than we do and with faith leaders and community leaders and what what's happening out there. I don't think schools are whatever time in the morning to whatever time at evening it should be a 24 seven with with a heart of the the, what's happening and and in some ways COVID's helped us with that you know people coming and some of our most disadvantaged schools have set up food banks for other people in the community and you think that that's kind of getting back to kind of how I see that partnership probably a long answer that really didn't answer what you wanted but
0: no no absolutely did I'm also just interested in you talking about the various different communities there and I'm thinking about trusts in the system as part of that community as well. Presumably therefore in your mind trusts need to collaborate rather than compete with each other. Is that fair?
1: Completely, totally. Um, When there was that kind of comment a few years about I think it was competitive collaboration I'm not very academic I didn't really understand it. To me like I've said I think governing bodies and schools choose or should choose rather um, an academy trust because it, it, it fits with them and their values and what they need and where they see that the school going in that journey. So I've said openly and it, it's probably a flippant thing I don't understand the top Trump's collection of uh, I've got x amount of schools you know we've got this I think it should be You've joined our family and we're going to work for the better. It's a bit bonkers to talk about how many schools you've got anyway, because we're a primary uh, trust. We've got some very small schools and, you know, two form and three form. But compared to a, a secondary trust that's probably only got three schools, but has got thousands of kids. it You know, I think we're using the wrong metrics, in, in, in all honesty. I think the teaching schools have proved that they can work together and um, we're part of Inspiring Leaders, and um, which is, is is a group. We all bring different things to the party. That's the bit I don't understand. And we've all got our quirkiness and we've all got our uniqueness um, and we can help and kind of celebrate that and work with others on this journey. I always say school improvement, the day job, is a roller coaster. Things are going well, depending on your context, cohort, whatever. And then the next day you can think, yep, there's never a day when you think I've got this crack, so there's always something that we can be learning from someone else and and sometimes I haven't got the time to work it out when I could magpie or borrow from somebody else and work with them and think oh actually that's brilliant that fits that helps me great and uh, I don't think I've got the answers Uh, I'm always happy to share everything and anything and on a equality kind of basis of I'd be happy to borrow things from you and learn from you. So no, I don't get the, the competition, and I don't think there's a place for it, and there shouldn't be a place for it. Um, and I think as senior educationists, it's our, it's our kind of role to ensure that that doesn't happen. And I think we need to just mature and grow up sometimes.
0: <laughs> I, I love the, uh, the the call to arms there, um, <laughs> but. Presumably as well, the, the system has started to grow up a bit. I mean, we've been yeah. we've been doing it not, yeah, yeah. not for very long, admittedly, but we've been doing what, sort of 10 years-ish now. So I think we are starting to learn. Is that fair as well?
1: Yeah, and I I, I go back to that organic growth of I wrote my own job description as a chief exec. We've we've had to learn and and I think that the healthy thing is we are learning and we should learn from the mistakes we've made and kind of go. Okay, what's the next step? You know, it's that self-reflection, isn't it? As a system, we should put a mirror up and kind of go, yep, that's the direction of travel. I think when schools all thought they'd all got to become academies, that put a bit of tension into the system. And equally, that's when people kind of pulled at it a little bit because, you know, I've said all along, come to it when you're ready. I think people felt that their hands were being kind of forced a little bit. Um, And now we've got that openness. I think that's made life easier for
0: people to make that decision yeah absolutely i agree with you yeah 2016 was an interesting year from that (laughs) (laughs) bit of a turning point in trust i think rebecca i I could talk to you all day i really could absolutely fascinating but um unfortunately we 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 need to draw this um, to a close but can i finish by asking the question that i ask everybody which is that uh, leadership is a stressful job and it's a job that sometimes we just need to uh, get away from perhaps just put put our tools down for a little bit what do you do to de-stress and get away from leadership?
1: <laughs> I, I'm laughing because um, I, I've already said I'm not only academic so um, the, the the thought of writing a blog to me was the most hideous thing ever. But during COVID, I realized that I needed to talk to people and I needed to let them know how I felt. So um, I did a, a couple of blogs to our heads and um, exec team who they've actually loved because I started sharing my more, my personal life. So um, I've got a horse, um, I've got a horse and a narrowboat. I'm I'm, I'm nomadic by nature. Uh, I like to be outside so uh, my horse has taught m- me and our heads quite a few things about life about falling off getting back on so yeah that's what I do I'm very lucky I've got um, a family that kind of tolerates me most of the time but when I push my luck too far reminds me that uh, I need to be a, a, a mum and a wife so they ground me quite regularly um, and chocolate and alcohol help as well so
0: Fantastic, Rebecca. Um, <laughs> I think uh, perhaps um, we all look forward to learning a bit more about falling off the horse, though. Uh, <laughs> and getting yeah, back. Do
1: it ahead. quite regularly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's an excellent metaphor. Um, thank you so much for your time, Rebecca. It's been uh, a really fascinating interview. Uh, lots of really um, brilliant insights there. Uh, really do appreciate your time, and thank you so much for talking to us.
1: You're welcome.
0: <laughs> The Asco Leadership Podcast